Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 119 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Those of you who are longtime listeners to the podcast, man, I'll tell you, we are in for a treat today because you've already heard from Louis Giglio around this time last year, and he's back. And we have a fascinating conversation about preaching today and what it actually takes to connect with young adults, uh, a subject I'm fascinated in as a leader and something that Louis has got actually a lot of street cred on. I mean, this guy does a great job in his 50s connecting with college students. And I even ask him, like, why does John Piper connect with college students? So it's fascinating for all of us who communicate, for all of us who care about the next generation. Plus, we talk an awful lot about the next generation in this episode. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. Thanks to all of you who are tuning in. Hey, we are going to hit a really big milestone this month. In fact, we probably already hit it by the time we get there. And In fact, we probably already hit it by the time this airs, and that is we're approaching the 2 million download mark of this podcast. That's right, 2 million downloads. You're like, wait a minute, didn't we just celebrate a million? Yeah, we did back in April, but like you guys have been sharing this like crazy, and it's amazing. So here's what I'm going to do. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it, because we have a bonus New Year's episode coming out on New Year's Day 2017, where I take... Ah, about a dozen of your questions and answer them. It's just another Ask Carrie coming. And all the details on how to win free Starbucks to kick off 2017 are in that episode. And you won't miss it if you subscribe. It'll be our first ever and maybe only Sunday episode, but it's going to come out on New Year's Day. And I'm really excited about that. So uh, that's brought to you by you. And hey, I also want to thank you guys for... Everybody who jumped on board, we had hundreds of leaders jump on board to take the high impact leader course. Now, uh, you missed, if you missed the super early bird rate, you'll find the course is closed right now, but it's coming back next week. That's right. After Christmas, during the Christmas break, we're going to reopen enrollment in the high impact leader course. So even though enrollment is in really narrow windows, once you purchase the course. You can take it whenever you want. So you can take it in the new year, over the holidays, in February, whenever you want. But it's not one of those products that's going to be around forever. So the High Impact Leader course opens again next week. And you can just go to leadlikeneverbefore.com or carrynewhoff.com or, or hang on to next Tuesday's episode. I'll give you all the details. So those Hopefully that answers the question for those of you who are saying like, how do I get into the high impact leader course? I missed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming back next week. And in the meantime, I really, really hope you have an incredible time getting ready for Christmas. Um, Hey, I'm praying for you guys. Uh, We are so excited. We've got more people coming to our Christmas Eve services than at any other time in our history. Uh, We do free tickets. So that's kind of how we know. And we're excited to see what God does. So just before I jump into my interview with Louis Giglio, uh, he's a big fan of yours too, and he wants to give podcast listeners a break. So here's what Louis agreed to do. He's going to give you, as a podcast listener, a special discount code that will get you $20 off 
the admission to January's Passion Conference. About 50,000 students are going to gather at the Georgia Dome January 2nd to January the 4th for Passion 2017. It's going to be amazing. And if you haven't registered yet and you want to do that, on checkout, use the code PASSION2017. That's PASSION2017. You'll get $20 off your registration. That's for podcast listeners. So, Louis, thank you for doing that. You're going to hear us reference that code. And all the details are in the show notes. You can just go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 119 or just go to leadlikeneverbefore.com. Click on blog and find these show notes. So here is my conversation with Louis Giglio. Hey, Louis, welcome back to the podcast, man. So uh, we are catching up as you head into what the 20th Passion Conference at the Georgia Dome. That's crazy. Yeah, crazy to think of it. I was uh, just tweeting this morning because John Piper who I think most of your listeners are familiar with, and Beth Moore are going to be back with us at Passion at the Dome in about uh, just a few days from now, actually, January 2nd through the 4th. And they were with us, interestingly enough, at Passion 97 in Austin, Texas, for the very first Passion Conference. And to think that at least three of us, me, John, and Beth, I think there were four speakers that year. Wow. I don't remember exactly who the fourth one might have been. And um, I'm hoping right now it wasn't Francis Chan. I don't think I knew Francis at that time because I didn't put him in the original tweet today. (laughs) But, you know, here we are 20 years later, Kerry. It's it's really, I think, a microcosm, probably what our conversation is going to be about today, because I have a feeling you're going to ask me a lot of questions about how and what. And Oh, yeah. You know, I think the, the answer to a lot of life is you just stick with Jesus and he goes amazing places. And if you're walking with him, you get the benefit of that, and there's no way, no way, absolutely all caps, no way. If you had asked me in January of 1997, are you going to be on with Kerry in 2016 talking about passion, I would have gone, oh, no way. Yeah. This is a short-term fuse. We want to see something at night on campuses. You know, we were asking for, for a spiritual awakening among college students that will shape this generation and will be long gone by then. But Jesus walks amazing places, and the goal in life I've learned is to stay with Jesus and not try to figure out where he's going. Yeah, it's so cool, and we talked about some of the backstory to passion the last time you were on, and uh, we'll link to that in the show notes, listeners. So uh, you definitely want to get some of the backstory, because, I mean, we go right back to your days at Waco, right, when it was a Bible study that just kind of exploded, and we talked about, you know, the the challenges along the way, including your nervous breakdown, like your, you know, that really tough patch you went through almost a decade ago, and yet here you are, alive and celebrating and expecting tens of thousands of college students to gather there. Now, you know, what? twig, twig my memory here, because I, I either heard John Piper talk about this or you talk about this, but something extraordinary happened at that original passion talk that he gave at the first conference. Like, didn't he think, maybe I'm getting my stories mixed up, but did he not think that was the worst message he ever preached in his life, but God used it like just powerfully? <laughs> Do you know that story, or like am I, are my wires? Crossed? No, I haven't. I haven't heard him say that. So oh. you know, I don't well, know. Maybe, if, maybe uh, that's I've... what he said. You know, I've learned in life that the messages that I typically think are just a disaster, yeah, are the ones people talk about for a long time, so and true. the ones that I feel great about. You know, you don't hear a lot about at the end of the day. And Bill Hybels, he had a funny story about it. 
He said that, you know, there's some of those talks you give when you're leaving church and you put your windows down in the parking lot, you know, you just feel good about life. You're (laughs) talking to all the volunteers or door holders in our case. And then there's others where you put the windows up and you try to jet out the quickest way possible and keep your head down. And it's usually, you know, those talks that people come back around and they're like, man, that message, God really used it in my life. And the ones where you got the windows down, people are like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, and I get that from Shelley a lot, but um, I haven't heard that story about Piper. I haven't never heard Piper give a talk that I thought was a bomb. So no, maybe he did. I don't know. But, I thought um, I read that it somewhere, heard didn't. it somewhere, or it's just apocryphal. And yeah, it was so terrible. That message was so terrible that we are having him back, <laughs> back. for our 20th anniversary. <laughs> He's been at every major passion gathering for 20 years, so I think it went pretty good. Oh yeah, no, I think that was an internal. <laughs> processing if I heard it right because God used it so powerfully like it's it's one of those messages that I thought he still hears about you know decades later but I say that just to say all of us struggle with that well you know what was funny about the first conference um is that there was a college pastor there and we joke about it now he's a pastor now and he was leading a big campus ministry that was probably the largest group represented at passion 97 and 98 both of those were in Austin and after Piper spoke, he didn't know Piper, and he spoke, and he goes, man, all my kids walked out of that session, Louie, and they're like, that went right over my head. So he goes, like, all my kids are telling me that. Wow. That talk, whatever that was, just went right over my head. And I said, you know, the coolest part of it, though, and I um, I won't say his name right now, but we've laughed about this a lot. So, you know, the coolest part of that is, is that it did go over their heads, and some of it went over my head. <laughs> but I said, watch in the next few weeks how your students are going to be reaching up for what just went over their head. And I think that's been a perfect description, Carrie, of some of the message and the heartbeat, the theology behind passion. And certainly it's true of Piper. It does go over people's heads, yeah. but in such a great way that you find later. So a few months later, I was on that, uh, my friend's campus and this was back in the day when you could, you know, actually walk in a dorm room without having to get clearance from the CIA. <laughs> and I was in a dorm before I spoke at a Bible study there, just visiting a couple of students. And I was in this one dorm room. We went down the hall to their friend's room. These were guys' rooms, obviously. Yeah. And in both the rooms that I went in, there were Piper books either on the table by the yep. bed or on the desk. And the kids were saying, you know, I didn't get all of that. But I want to get all of that. And what a great kind of preaching for our generation is not, well, I totally got all that. It was so simplistic and non-inspirational and non-mentally challenging and non-theologically formidable that I could reach down and get it all. Right. Now, I want people to walk away and go, wow, there were some big ideas in that that I need to think about, circle around. And I'm going to, I want to, something about it attracted me and I'm going to reach way up on my tiptoes spiritually and try to grab on to what that was man what a great thing to have said about your preaching yeah you know and that kind of leads me into the next question because i mean you started all this when you were a student but you're definitely you know you're not a student anymore and john piper isn't a student and yet your preaching really connects with younger adults so does his what do you i mean you just explained it in in some measure but there's a lot of preachers listening and a lot of young leaders listening what do you think it is uh particularly for those of us who are over 50 like i am what do you think it is about preaching from older adults that really are some of the key points that connect with the next generation 
Yeah, you know, it's such a helpful question, and I, I, I wish I could be helpful. I hope I can be helpful. Well, I mean, you the lead answer. a church. You've been very effective at reaching <laughs> younger adults. I mean, you do this every Sunday, in addition to with 50,000 well, people in the Georgia Dome. Yeah, but you know what, Carrie? I think if I, and I'm going to try to answer the question, but I think yeah. the, the way you answer this question is the answer to the question. If I were to say to you right now, well, here are the six things I do to collect, connect with millennials. Yeah. I would immediately disconnect with millennials right. because if they thought that I had a six step plan as to how I was going to communicate to them, they would go, wow, uh, that doesn't communicate to me. Right. So what we're talking about is two things. It's innate. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's probably at least three things. It might be 33 things, but it's innate. Uh, so there's an innate level of it. And I'll, I'll speak to that just real fast. Sure. It's, uh, it's around your message. So that's the second thing. And then a lot of it actually has to do with literal demographics. And Hmm. I tell you something that blew my mind the other day. I have a friend who works with Charles Stanley, and I'm assuming your listeners know who Charles Stanley is. Absolutely. He's 80-something years old. Yep. Uh, He just went on a book tour. He wrote a book recently, did six Barnes and Nobles, and a friend of mine was there. And he said, it's amazing to me that when we would do a book tour 10 years ago, the demographic was a lot of middle-aged people, um, mostly middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. He goes, that started changing a few years ago. He said, we just did six cities. This is the other thing that's crazy. So have Charles Stanley on sometime. If, if you yeah, can, I'm, I'm sure to. he doesn't do podcasts, but if you could get him, get him. I will. He just did six cities, Barnes and Noble and Barnes and Noble has like a cutoff of how many people they'll let you come through a Barnes and Noble. And I think it's around 1500 people. But they decided it would take him X number of hours. I think it was three plus hours to meet and sign books for for a thousand people. So they right. cut their book signings off at a thousand people, and they had to cut every one of them off. My goodness, uh, it is not easy to get a thousand people to come to no, Barnes and Noble unless not. you're Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? that'll happen. And so, um, and but the guy said, "So I'm watching the line. This is this is helpful to the leaders that are out there. So I'm watching right. the line, and all of a sudden, I'm noticing." It's a lot of men, more men than women, Mm. and it's young, professional men. And he said, I see the migration, and I'm realizing these guys are looking not just for a father, which all young men are looking for. And that's what they see in a John Piper, and I think it's what they see in me. They see somebody that's older than their dad, but that seems to have a clue what's going on, not that their dad doesn't. Yeah. Um, but that isn't is passionate about Jesus. So that's part of the answer. But coming back to Charles Stanley, just for a second, he said, I saw guys that were looking not just for a father, but they were looking for a grandfather. They were gravitating to that voice, that steady, stable decade mm-hmm. after decade after decade voice. And Charles Stanley, you know, was my pastor when I was in college. And to think that he's still speaking to 20-year-olds and 30-year-old young men who are looking at him going, man, that guy, his ship's been in a lot of storms and a lot of open water. So I think it's partly that. That would be the demographic side of it. It's partly the message. And Mm -hmm. I I think the message millennials want isn't, it's all about you, even though it is all about them in the whole world. I think they want a message, which is, it's really not all about you. Because if it was all about you, it'd be a really small story. So big preaching with big ideas that's Jesus-centric, because here's the thing that every pastor has to rally around. Um, I can't always be relevant, 
And honestly, millennials don't want you to be relevant. I mean, they want you to understand how to operate Insta story. I mean, that would help, you yeah. know, if you at least <laughs> yeah. knew what it was. You have some kind of and story. So if you're up there, yeah, if you're up there saying, hey, I just updated my MySpace page and you should come check it out. Right. They're going to be like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm not living in that world. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know uh-huh. it's crazy. I'm just joking. But they want to know you know what's up, but they don't want you to try too hard to yeah. act like you're one of them. And, um, you know, I like being around kids. I like uh, fashion. I like uh, culture. But I also, I don't preach fashion. I don't preach culture. I don't preach relevance. I preach Jesus. And Jesus mm-hmm. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's going to keep the message relevant if the message is Jesus and it's bigger than them. And then the first part of it, I think a lot of it is innate. And I think it's not being afraid to be honestly, passionately um, in awe of the gospel. And when John Piper preaches, he is like a man on fire. Mm -hmm. And you can disagree with his message. You might not like his sport coat. But you have to agree, this man is on fire. And it's not information only. It's, it's revelation. It's passion. It's this guy is moved by Almighty God. And I want to be that kind of communicator. I, and it doesn't matter how old you are. If people think that you genuinely believe the size and the scope and the grandeur of the gospel that you're proclaiming, and it's moving you, then they're going to be attracted to that. And so I don't know if, if that's, you know, I don't know how you reproduce that, but I think those things in the mix cause people to want to pay attention. And I've come to find that that goes all the way across the spectrum from a millennial all the way up to their parents and their grandparents. Well, I think you've hit on a few key things that are really challenging. And as somebody who just sort of, you know, took a baby step over the 50 mark, I'm amazed at the amount of young adults in our church, you know, let's say 35 and under, who just want to actually hang out with people at my age and stage. And that when I was, Louis, I don't know what you were like when you were 25, but like I wasn't clocking in with people over 30 or 40. I thought I knew everything. And uh, it's just (laughs) different. It's just different. Our whole small group, my wife and I, our small group is all young adults. And they are really, you know, we have a great relationship. And I think the other thing, too, for older leaders is uh, that passion piece that you talk about. And obviously, you know, we're talking about Passion Conference, you have Passion City Church, the whole deal. But I think a lot of us get to the point where it's so rote, we kind of phone it in. And that doesn't work with anybody, but it particularly does not work if you're a younger adult. It's one of my favorite quotes. I love what you said about passion. It's, you know, John Wesley, <laughs> light light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. I think that is just true. And, and that's something, how do you keep, how do you keep yourself fresh? Like how do you keep yourself passionate at this stage, particularly having been through, you know, a few rounds of this, how, how are you uh, still vibrant and alive and excited about Sunday and excited about passion conference round 20? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine, he was a little bit of a cynic. He said about that Wesley quote, which I love, you know, light yeah. yourself on fire and people will come and gather to watch you burn. He said, yeah, but you can only do that one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, that's what's, that's possibly what's wrong with the world right there, you yeah. know, because the bush that burned, that gathered the focus of Moses and allowed him to connect with God's purpose for his life, uh, it burned, but it wasn't consumed. 
So in the kingdom economy, it's possible to burn, but not to burn up. And I that's think good. that's the way that I want to try to approach the answer to Wesley's beautiful picture. It's not, you know, human flesh consumption fire like we think it. It's spirit fire, which somehow can be in and on us, but we don't we do disappear in the sense that people see Jesus and not us, but that we're still mm-hmm. standing at the end of the day. So I don't, you know, keeping your passion alive to me is really as simple as being in touch with your need of the gospel every day. Yeah. And I, I just can't get away from that, Carrie. I, mm. I, I can't, I'm so in need of the saving power of Jesus today in my life that the cross, when it's lifted up in front of me, it stuns me, it it staggers my ability to comprehend, it unlocks in me a song of worship, it makes me want to sing and shout and rejoice and stand in awe, because I need that cross, I mm. need that saving power of Jesus, not I needed it, I need it right. today. It's not past tense. And the the cross, the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus is the beginning point of all worship. Worship begins at the cross. And so, you know, if I meet a guy and they say, man, you know, my passion for God is kind of shriveled up. I'm like, wow, that means that your, your ability to be cognizant of your need of the saving power of God has shriveled up. Mm. And that's a tough place to live in because, you know, there's never going to be a day until we touch that tape at the end of it and say, thank you, God. I, w- I wanted to finish the, the race. I wanted to, to run my race and finish the course and keep the faith. And I did. And I did because of the saving power of Jesus. So that's that's at the heart of it. And when um, when that's there, you know, I, I speak three times on Sunday. I know yep. guys speak more than that. But my our last gatherings at five o'clock on Sunday, late afternoon, it's the same four songs we sang a couple times already in the morning, but man, it's not like uh, round three for me. It's like, I need this gospel right now. And I encourage leaders to ask that question. Am I still in awe of the gospel or have I somehow become inoculated by the message of the saving power of Jesus? And um, man, that's the key. I believe that's the key. So this is good, and we're totally off script from the questions I sent you, but if it's okay, let's just go there. Because, I mean, last time we were together, you talked about that episode of burnout you had a decade ago, and clearly, Louis, you found that passion again. So what are what are some of the practices that you've got in your life that keep it there? Or is that just like you? Is that just your your personality? Is that the way God wired you? Or what are some things like if you do it, your passion goes up. If you don't do it, your passion goes down or conversely. Is there anything there that helps you? Because I love it. I like I'm hearing you and it totally resonates. And I agree that's when I'm at my best. Uh, but I think for a lot of leaders, that's not every day, you know? So how do you get to the point where that is your dominant position, your dominant feeling? Yeah. Well, I think a couple of things, you know, just to come back around the whole meltdown thing, mm-hmm. just read by where Kanye just been hospitalized for a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that maybe the rest of the world knew that already, but you know, just shout out to him. If he is listening to the podcast that you can come back, you, know, yeah. you can come back. Yeah. Um, but I think that for me was more about a crisis of trust not a crisis of passion. 
Okay. And um, I never was not passionate about Jesus in that moment. I just forgot who was running the universe for a little while. Right. And the, you know, the aggregate weight of that kind of cracked me. And um, I, I was in the midst of, you know, one of the most passionate seasons of our life. Uh, when all that happened, I was, I had seen the kingdom like I've never seen it before, traveling to 17 cities around the world in the months right before that leading passion events. But at the same time, I had forgotten that the God that I was so passionate about was actually managing the universe. And so those two things run on different tracks for me. I, I Any day now, I could let that weight begin to exponentially multiply again. And when I do, I have to stop, offload, breathe, and specifically, I'm, I'm writing a book right now called Goliath Must Fall, um, Ooh, Winning the Battle Against Your Giants. Wow. And one of my giants, or a couple of my giants uh, that led into that are the giants of, um, of control hmm. and the giant of approval. Uh, wanting people to like me, wanting people to like my what I'm doing and approve of everything, you know, the way I'm leading and wanting to manage things. And, you know, control can be really terrible if it's uh, if it's a sense of I want to run the universe. Mine really wasn't that. It was just I think I see a good path here and I want to try to lead towards it. And I want to get everybody on that path because I think that's a good path toward change or towards a good result. But when those two things are out of balance um, and they, they team up on you, you know, they, yeah. they could put you under because every pastor knows you're never going to get approval of the people. And every pastor and every human being knows you can't control anything. And right. so we've, we've got to continually offload and, you know, adding on to the podcast we did earlier, we talked about anxiety mm-hmm. and I've just come back. Uh, Carrie, to be able to to communicate, it's helpful for me to really be able to take another step and say anxiety really isn't a thing. And I was saying that on our last podcast, I was having struggle with anxiety or bout of anxiety, or my anxiety was coming back or rearing up its head. It's really helped me even in the last year to go, you know, anxiety isn't a thing. Right. Anxiety is a symptom of a thing. Unless I know what the thing is, I'm never going to be able to get above my anxiety. So I got to ask, what is making me anxious? And then I've got to come face to face with that. It's probably a person um, <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And I've got to come face to face with that person. And I've got to offload to my shepherd. This is what about this relationship, this conversation, this situation, this conflict, whatever is making me anxious tonight. So I'm going to put that in your hands. And now I'm going to sleep tonight knowing that it's in your hands. And that is a helpful, practical tool for me to lay down at night, to name it, to face it, to call it out and to call it out to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I I, I don't know where we're going to get these couple million dollars we need. I'm going to have to put that in your hands tonight because I'm not going to be able to solve that before I wake up in the morning and I need to go to sleep tonight. And then the psalmist said, I think it's Psalm 3, Um, He said, I lie down and sleep and I awake again because the Lord is the Lord of my life. And so that's how I manage that side of it. The passion side, you know, honestly, I don't have a set of sort of markers that help me stay passionate. It's that I try to actually talk about Jesus in the day, think about Jesus through the day. 
And if there is a person in ministry that's talking about Jesus and conscious of Jesus, their passion's going to percolate. But man, it's crazy scary how many leaders you can be around and you can be around them for a day or two or three and never hear them talk about Jesus. They're talking about strategy, about ministry, about schedule, about leadership, about church growth, about God, about the Lord. But when you start talking about him, (laughs) he's what's in your heart. He's what's in your view. It's not God, even though it is God, but God has a name and his name is Jesus. Then it's different. And my goal in life is to walk with Jesus, um, right. not to work for Jesus, but to walk with Jesus. And mm. that's not a that's not a so spiritual well discipline. It's a daily routine. Louis, that's so helpful. And you know what? I think you're just aware. You're drilling down. It's daily. It's in the moment. There's nothing that's really carrying you other than Christ. And I think that's such a good reminder. By the way, for listeners, if you want to find that original interview I did with Louis, it's episode 65 of this podcast about a year ago. It was December of 15. So you can go back and find that in episode 65. Uh, Louis, let me ask you, when you're uh, preparing a message, because we do have a lot of preachers listening, um, where do you start? Like, do you, is it just a text that grabbed you? Um, is it, is it like a systematic thing? Is it like, man, you just see this need and you go to the scriptures and, and you devise a, a message or a series? Like, how do you, wh- where's your starting point in your preaching? Yeah, it's a couple of things. Uh, could be a season of the year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now my starting point is what does our church need to start a brand new year in January and February. So the starting point isn't really a text and it's really not even an idea that I have. It's really the season of the year. Right. And I think as you, if you're a pastor, then that's your main guide. You know, the old hymnals, uh, that the, they're bound collections of songs that were used to be sung in the church, a hymnal, that was a joke. But um, <laughs> in the old hymnals, it's interesting. There's a song for every season in the hymnal. There's a song, I mean, there was a song in, in the Baptist hymnal uh, for when we went to the moon. Um, there's a song about <laughs> outer space in the hymnal, in the, in the hymnal. Did not know that. It's a really great song. Um and there's a song for death. There's a song for the harvest. There's a song for the right. new year. There's a True. song for Lent. There's a song for Advent. And I think a pastor A is thinking, what season are we in versus, man, I just think I'm going to preach a series on X, Y, or Z. So that's A. B hmm. is a shepherd is always looking at the sheep and trying to figure out what is helpful for them. If he leads me beside quiet waters and leads me to green pasture, then what? where's the next quiet water and what's the next green pasture for me? So it's looking at our people and trying to decide what do people need right now. And then the third piece of it is that I have an inspiration. And I don't know really how other pastors call that, but you're sitting in a coffee shop and all of a sudden you just open your journal and outline a series of six messages on X. And you have a million ideas, not a million, but you have, you know, 50 ideas that flood your mind. You're keeping a list over here. And then you're like, wow. And then you go over the next two, three months or whatever. And you, you hammer that out into eight talks on acts um, or whatever. And so it's a combination of those three things for me. And I always have number three going. So I'm always percolating some ideas. 
but I'm going to probably let them percolate until I get the right season and the need of the people. And if you can get, here's the season. So we should be talking about X, right? Right now it's Advent. So we should be talking about expectation, about waiting, about God coming through, about God fulfilling his promises. Um, The people actually need that right now. And I have a cool idea about waiting that's different than anything I've ever preached before. And then you've got sort of the trifecta. Hmm. That's good. That that's really helpful, and I think you know I hear myself in a lot of that as well. Not, I wish every series was like you're sitting in a coffee shop and you know some scripture grabs you and it just boom, boom, boom. And that's happened with me. I, I one of my favorite series I've ever done was just on Psalm 101, and like I actually read it, you know, a thousand times. And you read it again, and you're like, whoa! It just, you know, what do they call that? Lectio Divina or whatever. It just pops off the page and it grabs you. <laughs> And, 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 and that's, that's great. Hey, you connect with just literally tens of thousands of college students on a regular basis. When you look at under 25s, you know, that, those late teens, early 20s, what is the biggest hole you see in their hearts right now? Probably um, being anxious about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, what a great, you know, thing that's not new, but uh, certainly found its way into the Sermon on the Mount. I was speaking to about 10,000 university students at um, a school a few days ago, and I started speaking around that idea that, um, you know, I just said, if you're lying awake at night trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, you're wasting your time because you don't have any idea what you're going to do with your life. You don't know who you're going to marry. You don't know where you're going to live. You don't know where you're going to work. You don't know what joy you're going to experience, the heights God's going to take you to, and you don't know what pain you're going to experience, the depth that you're going to walk through. No one does. And at 58, obviously, I can say that, and I can I just trace back the last 30 years of life in a postage stamp, and I said, you just don't know. So if that's stressing you, what am I going to do? Where am I going to work? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What's my life going to look like? You can just offload that stress tonight. The only thing that's certain about life is who's going to be there at that highest pinnacle and who's going to be there at that lowest low, who's going to be there when the road jogs left and who's going to be there when the road jogs right. And his name is Jesus. So build Mm -hmm. into a relationship with him today because he's going to be there at the twists and turns in the road. And I just said to them again, whatever your dream is too small, whatever your hopes are or are too small, um, God has big plans, extraordinary things that he wants to invite you to if you're willing to, right. to walk with him. And so I think it's the, it's the anxiety, the fear of not getting it right, of missing God, of not finding the right person? Am I ever going to even be able to find the right person? Am I going to get into a place and a stream and a path and a course that's going to be meaningful? And I think, you know, there's a line in a song we've been singing this year and last around the church. And the line says, all my fears were drowned in perfect love. And that's what I think I want to preach and speak over 20 year olds. Um, The perfect love of God casts out fear so build a relationship with him and just walk with him and take it step by step because uh, you can't figure it out. You don't want to figure it out. And, and you're all, you're, you're 50 something. So, yeah, I mean, you would have the same story. You know, yeah. you, you wouldn't, 
say, man, I knew exactly how all this was going to work out. No one knows how it's all going to work out. So let's stop worrying about that today and stressing over it. And let's just live in the moment. I think we're missing the now, the right now for the what's next. And I would just really encourage millennials to get into the right now Hmm. and to be faithful, work hard, um, contribute to the greater common good. Don't sit around waiting for the what's next and invest in the right now. Get a job, go to school, be in ministry, contribute to the greater common good, plow the ground, be faithful, work in the unseen, um, build up character without getting credit for it. Do all the things that are necessary for God to catapult you into the next right now and into the next right now and into the next right now. And um, don't don't miss all the right nows because you're sitting somewhere paralyzed by what's next. That's great counsel. I think both of us, I'm 51. I think, you know, Louis, you would probably say, and I would say, man, when I was 20, like I couldn't have called any of this. And if I had plotted out my life and known everything, it would have been like 10 times worse than it actually turned out, right? Like, gosh, I would have missed it by a long shot. Okay, Louis, we got like five minutes left and I want to do a lightning round because we had uh, some listeners that sent some great questions. So really uh, quick questions, quick answers, just from the gut. Uh, Pedro, I'm going to try to get his name right, Felizola. Um, sorry about that, Pedro. My name's Nywa. Let's just go with Pedro. Pedro. Okay. He says, so Louis, after so many years of leading young people, how do you keep yourself engaged with the new generation? Like just quick, what do you do? Yeah. Pay attention, uh, to the world around you. That's it. That's good. You just pay attention. Do you have like one-on-one conversations, that kind of thing as well? Lots of those? No, just uh, read the paper, watch TV, uh, understand what's happening in the world. I think when you get 40, 50, all you do is keep looking at your app to see how your 401k is doing and talking to the guys that you play golf with on the weekend and doing the stuff. You got to keep your, keep your eyes open, understand the culture, that doesn't mean you have to try to be hip to everything going on right. in the world. But if you want to keep in touch with the younger generation, you got to keep your eyes open and you got to absorb what's happening in the world around you. Good. Karen Moreno wants to know, the next gen is so hungry to be more relational with people in Jesus. How, we, how can we continue to bridge the generational gaps and lead them? What comes to mind? Yeah, I think we covered that already. It's just yeah. be authentic. You know, people are looking for authenticity. That's why you've got a small group full of young adults. They're looking for yeah, transgenerational for authenticity. They're looking for you. Phil Eubank says, how do you balance early passion with a marathon pace to achieve more over a longer period of time? And I know you wrote about that in Comeback, but uh, what are what are some of the key principles? Yeah, I think the way that you run the marathon is by taking each lap each day as a race unto itself and um, let the aggregate and the exponential um, do its own work. You know, be faithful with little, God will give you much. That's the rule of law and the rule of nature. And uh, don't overestimate what you can do in a year uh, and don't underestimate what you can do in 10 years. Okay, so on that note, Matthew Lilly wants to see you unemployed. Kidding, Matthew. He says, what are your plans to pass off the movement to younger leaders? Who will take your spot? How will you transition? Key for me right now is to surround myself with younger leaders. Uh, Everybody on our leadership team is younger than me. 
Um, everyone in the decision-making windows is younger than me. And so I'm not necessarily setting up a succession plan, a mm. succession plan, but I am surrounding myself with people that are in their 30s. And in their 40s, and so that when the time is right for me to understand that my stewardship is shifting or changing, I'll have people uh, right beside me who have had years of experience with me in the heart of it. That's really wise. And I mean, I think as long as, you know, your passion is strong and it's pretty clear to me, Louis, that it is, um, you know, I'm still on my team, even though I gave over the senior leader spot to, to a younger guy last year. But man, that actually renewed my passion. And I feel like I've got you know, so much to give, which is great. Okay, a couple of real uh, fun questions to end with. Um, if you had a secular job, what would you be doing if you were like in the marketplace? I saw that tweet last night and I made a quick note. <laughs> yeah, that's Matthew Nunn, by the way. I made a quick note of my secular jobs and I've loved every one of them. I was okay. uh, a photocopier in a library, one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Um, I worked visiting locker room for an NBA team and a National Hockey League team in Atlanta for years. I love wow. both those jobs. I've been a house painter. I've been a grass mower. I've been a server uh, for a catering company, so like a food server. And um, I've loved every one of them. That's so cool. I would take any of those jobs again. Um, but anything like a window washer, um, an electrician, Something that when you walk away, you see the immediate fruit of your labor, <laughs> because I'm uh, I'm kind of wired that way. Uh, it looks good to me. But if I had uh, to get uh, some other dream, it was probably my lifelong ambition to either be a pro tennis player or to be a politician, senator, or president. So those were my other ideas I had before God interrupted my plan. Well, that's pretty cool. Louis for president or Louis for king photocopier. I think I think that's that's amazing, Louis. Last question: favorite watch. That's for Cameron favorite Wilkins. watch. Yeah, Cameron wants to know uh, meaning what watch? I like to watch or the watch I, think I wear. He means the watch you wear. <laughs> Let's go that way. I don't know. Okay, well, I'm only wearing one watch right now. It actually okay. fell off my wrist because the little strappy thing came off in New York City yesterday. Unfortunately, oh I saw it hit the sidewalk and picked it up. Um, it was a gift to me, and I really love it. It's the, the watch of the Navy SEALs. It's a Luminox, and um, wow. Max Lucado has one just like it, so that makes me feel really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, Louie, this has been fantastic. Hey, I'll, I'll mention it at the end, but you've got a special discount for podcast listeners who want to make it to Passion, correct? Yeah, and it's not too late. You know, I mean, it's yeah. January 2nd through the 4th, but the Dome is big. And there's still an opportunity for people to be there. Uh, the website, passionconferences.com, you've got a code you're going to let people know mm -hmm. about. That's 20 bucks off, I think, of yeah, registration. But listen, if you're 18 to 25, a high school senior or a leader um, of those age groups, make every effort to be in the Dome. It doesn't happen every day. It might not happen again in the next five, 10 years for a stadium full of college-age young people to be together. It's a really special moment. I want people to be there. If you can, come join us in the Dome. Hey, Louis, this has been fantastic. Thank you so, so much, and uh, really appreciate you building into uh, leaders once again. Kerry, I always love being with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I love that conversation. Louis, thank you so much for that. Hey, if you want that discount code for the Passion Conference in January in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome, 
Remember on checkout, enter PASSION2017, PASSION2017. That'll get you $20 off admission. And it's going to be an incredible gathering of 50,000 college students, 18 to 25-year-olds. It's going to be great. Hey, uh, we are back next week. Even though the holidays are happening, we are going to come back with another episode. And my guest is uh, actually a guy who works at Church on the Move. Uh, I know there's a lot of Church on the Move fans out there. I'm one of them, and we have already had... With George on, who is moving into the lead pastor role, but I'm coming back next week by having a conversation with Jared Hogue, and we're going to talk about being a young entrepreneur in church ministry. Big kickoff to the new year, all about Generation Z. James Emery White is my guest. We're going to talk about the generation after the millennials. Greg McEwen, author of Essentialism, is up. Uh, got a bunch of people. Mark Batterson is going to be early in the new year, Scott Sauls, and many more. I'm super excited about 2017. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. And remember, next week, the High Impact Leader course comes back. You can go to the highimpactleader.com if you want more information, but your opportunity to get the course happens next week, and we'll tell you more about that. In the meantime, thanks so much for leaving ratings and reviews. Uh, If you haven't subscribed yet, do that, and we will catch you next week. And I really do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. Merry Christmas, everyone. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.